Blog Talk Radio. And now, it's time for Healing from Within with your host, Tony Valen. Welcome to Healing From Within. I'm your host, Tony Valen. You can contact me, Tony, at TonyValen.com. Visit our website, HealingFromWithin.net. Follow the show on Twitter, at TVHFW. The show is also available on iTunes and YouTube. Just search Healing From Within with Tony Valen or look for the Tony Valen channel on YouTube. Joining us on today's show is Lee Miltier. Lee is an internationally known and celebrated best-selling author, award-winning professional speaker, TV personality, entrepreneur, visionary, an intuitive business mentor. You can learn more about Lee Miltier by going to LeeMiltier.com, like Lee Miltier's Spiritual Power Tools on Facebook, and follow at Lee Miltier on Twitter. Lee, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tony. I was very excited about being with you today. Well, we are excited to have you on here to educate us and tell us all about your world. It's a very complicated world, so let's play. All right. My first question, always to my guests, is, what are your gifts and how did your journey begin? Tony, I, I think my greatest gift is uh, intuition and I have some psychic abilities. I'm also a natural born communicator. Um, when I was growing up, my nickname was Motor Mouth, but I've <laughs> learned to capitalize on that talent. I have an ability to smell money, meaning I am a great entrepreneur. I run a lot of businesses, and I can literally sense where the money is going in life and how to follow that money. I'm an author and professional speaker and just generally having a fantastic time in life. This comes naturally to you, and you decided to, you know, I'm going to make a living at this. Is that correct? Yes. When I was growing up, I grew up on a ranch in a little place called Chucky Tuck, Virginia. Um, it was a 110-acre ranch. It was um, a mile and a half from the nearest secondary road and very, very isolated. And everybody in my family on both sides had been farmers and ranchers as far back as, as possible. And I realized very early in life that um, I, wasn't, I wasn't like a normal person that was suited to go to college and do, you know, like normal things. And I spent my entire high school in the guidance counselor's office just trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do. But I learned I had this great ability of communication and selling. When I was... Um, uh, high school senior, they I don't know if you remember this, but usually the, the teachers would come into the classroom and say, who would like to volunteer to go out and sell ads for the, fa- for um, not the Facebook, we didn't have Facebook, but the yearbook. <laughs> yeah. um, I, was, I wasn't, I'm not that young. <laughs> and so um, I was the only person who raised their hand because uh, my father had said no to me so much. No meant nothing. I mean, I learned to negotiate. I learned to, you know, just work my way around it. And so I went out and sold all these ads for the high school book, and they were, like, stunned. And then I became a rock and roll disc jockey while I was still in high school a, a, with a real grown-up job in high school. I kind of fibbed and said I was 19 when I was really 17 mm-hmm. and got this great job. And then I found out that, you know, of course, rock and roll disc jockeys don't make a lot of money. But sales was open, so I went in sales, and I was it was just a natural thing. It was a natural ability that I had to match people with things they needed. Uh, so I can tell anything that I truly believe in that has a lot of integrity. And my life growing up was um, a wild adventure, but it, it there was a lot of rejection in it. So 
going into sales wasn't a real stretch for me because I had dealt with so much of that in my life. And so, um, all you know, everybody's childhood gives you a hint of some of your hidden talents. It's just most people don't realize and don't capitalize and leverage their natural-born talents. And that's really the secret of success is finding those talents, leveraging them, and then that's how you become super successful. Yeah. And uh, so you didn't mind the rejection? Because I know that's the thing about sales and a lot of salespeople that go into sales. The biggest fear is the fear of rejection. How do you deal with that? Well, I really didn't, uh, Tony, I really didn't have a lot of fear of rejection because, again, I grew up with this father who said he was this alcoholic, raging, Mm. six-foot-four, 300-pound man who said no to everything. So it it, I was so used to that. It was just like, how do you how do you find a way around that? How do you find a point of um, connection? How do you find a point of agreement? How do you convince them of the benefits of things? So when I first went in sales, frankly, I had nothing to lose, and and I had been taught by my sales manager who was very good. He said, never take anything personally. It's never about you. And if somebody says no. You know, that's fine. That's their prerogative. You just pack your bags and go to the next person and see how you can help them. And the thing that really is important about sales, everybody should understand, is that sales is nothing but education. That if you're really a good salesperson, you're literally just educating people about products and services. And salespeople have such a bad rap. Um, Years ago, I wrote a book called Spiritual Power Tools for Successful Selling. Mm -hmm. And it was really all about you're doing God's work, you know, helping people try to figure out what products and services are for their best benefit. So I was never, it's not that I like the rejection, Tony. It's Mm -hmm. just that I didn't take it personally. And my sales manager said, you'll have to probably call on 25 people to get a yes. So I'd get to number 22 and still didn't have a yes, and I'd go, only three more, and I'll get a yes. Her persistent, tenacious personality. Well, good. And I think that's uh, something that a lot of people don't understand, that you do have to be like that, and you don't have to take things personally. Um, I introduced you as a best-selling author. You wrote a book, Reclaim the Magic, The Real Secrets to Manifesting Anything You Want. Generally, what was the intent of writing the book? Well, the intent of writing the book is I've written a lot of uh, I've written eleven books, um, a couple of bestsellers before. Uh, my big bestselling book was Success as an Inside Job and, and Spiritual Power Tools for Successful Selling. But I wanted to write in the past, Tony. I've been like a businesswoman by day, metaphysician by night, and I got to the point in my life that I was tired of hiding that spiritual part of myself, that metaphysical part of myself. And it seemed incongruent to be a communicator and not really showing my total authentic self. Mm. So in the book, Reclaim the Magic, what I really, the intent was to share with people the many wisdoms and universal secrets that I have personally learned and used that have allowed me to have this exceptional, extraordinary, successful career uh, from a little place, you know, in farm town, Chucky Tuck, Virginia. Uh, And it was actually written about me by someone very famous recently that I was the least likely person to ever become really successful because I grew up in the middle of nowhere with no money, no role models, no, no real education, and, you know, nobody helping me. But in spite of all that, which a lot of people can identify with, I learned that success really is an inside job, that if I can do it, I swear to you, anybody can do it. Society has a lot of well-meaning but clueless people, even in school and church and in our educational system, and teaching people that all their power is external. And the truth is your power is internal. And so I wrote the book with the desire to really help people understand that they don't have to settle for less, that they really can manifest what they want in life, but you have to do it in a certain way with certain skills and abilities and a certain mindset 
and that it does take work to do that. It's not like the secret where you just, you know, close your eyes and meditate. That's all BS. It, hmm. it really is a part of, there's a formula to success. If you follow this formula in my book, there's no way you can't be successful about what you want to do if you really give it your all. In your book, you wrote, we are being called now to shed our old skins of what is no longer important and to open up to a new empowered life. Explain to the listeners. Well, I'm sure everybody's noticed that speed has uh, speeded up. I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable how fast time has speeded up. Yeah. You've also noticed that things that used to work don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. You've noticed that we are living in a time that most people don't even realize this. They're so stressed out. But there have been more inventions and more change in the last five years than there has been in the history of mankind. That us today, you and me and everybody listening today, is literally having to deal with more information, more decisions, uh, and, and, and we have to let go of the old programming. Because most of us were programmed by the time we were five to seven years old with certain belief systems about how life worked. And we're learning very quickly that that is obsolete information. That is, that is information that does not help you. You have to shed the old skin of that power is somewhere else and that someone else is going to anoint you to be successful or you're going to be discovered or any of this BS. You have to be 100% responsible for your own actions, your beliefs, and what you achieve in life. And that's how you have an empowered life is that you have to let go of all this external garbage. You know the old saying, garbage in, garbage out? Mm-hmm. It's almost as if our software was corrupted and we have viruses in our brain limiting us from really understanding our deep inner powers. And that's what really this book is about. Mm. Tell us about owning your own destiny. Well, I believe you have to own your own destiny, uh, just as I was saying, because of the fact that, again, Nobody's going to save you. The government's not going to save you. Your boss is not going to save you. The corporate America has totally betrayed, you know, most people in this world. They've mm. worked very hard, sacrificed their life to give to some corporations who frankly don't give a damn about them and will throw them out the window in a heartbeat. And your destiny is really determined by the caliber of information that you install into your own computer and that we have Five kinds of energy that you use every day. We have mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial energy. And that is your currency. And how you spend that currency is going to determine what your destiny is. And so every day of my life to create my destiny, there's a number of rituals and things that I do to make sure that I'm always loading into my life opportunities, potentials, new contacts, new, you know, new things that is always generating money, generating, you know, new relationships, generating new ideas. Because again, you have to you literally have to scan the landscape of your reality every day and look for the opportunities. You know, so like Tony, you are a talk show host. Mm-hmm. I'm sure every time you see a book or every time you see someone on a TV, you're mentally thinking, would that person be good for my show? Right? Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so, but a lot of people are passive in life. They're 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 literally waiting for something external to happen. Um, I, I When I was growing up, my mother had this horrible saying, which she truly jokingly said, but, you know, believed, I believe said, if my ship came in, I would be at the bus station. Mm. <laughs> and it, it, and that would describe my parents a lot about how they looked at life. They had a, a belief that, you know, they were kind of screwed from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and as a child watching this, I made a very clear conscious decision. That's not going to be my life. I am an optimistic, excited, enthusiastic person. Um, when there's downfalls and difficulties, um, 
I I just I choose to learn from them, not let them defeat me. And also, I I always ask myself, where can I capitalize on this? You know, how could I now that I've learned this lesson because I'm a communicator and an author, how how can I teach other people, you know, how to learn this lesson without actually having to go through the lesson? So it's it's a very interesting different mindset that you are creating your own destiny every day with your thoughts, your actions, your feelings. And if you can control your the way that you use your energy, you will control everything around you. I mean, it'll help your relationships, your income, your career, your you know, just everything. Absolutely. So you think everything's interconnected based on your I, the way you choose life? Absolutely everything is interconnected. There is no such things as uh, coincidences. Uh, there's synchronicity. There is, you know, people always say, oh, that was a coincidence. Really? You know, if everything is connected, um, they're really, I don't believe in coincidences. I pay attention to those things. I think the universe is always giving you hints of you're on the right path or you're not on the right path. Uh, I'm a professional coach and I work with very high-end, I only work with top CEOs of businesses and usually multi-million dollar businesses because I'm actually an intuitive business coach. Mm -hmm. And I always, you know, say to them, you know, your job is to be the visionary of your company. But the truth is all of us have to be the visionary of our own life. Are we paying attention to when we have an idea or a project, are the doors opening for us? That means the universe is saying yes. If we have an idea or a project and the doors keep shutting closed, that means a couple of things. It might not be the right timing because timing is very important, mm-hmm. or it might not it not it, it's not suitable for you. So when I try things new and the doors open, I always know this is a yes from the universe. Full steam ahead. If the doors close and there's just a million roadblocks, obstacles, difficulties, I then have to say to myself, am I before my time? Is the timing wrong for me? And if it is, let me let me package all this up, put it in a plastic container that I can see in my office because I'm a high visual, mm-hmm. and come and revisit this idea later. But if it's if it's if it keeps being difficult, and that doesn't mean give up because everything will be difficult, but I mean really unsurmountable difficulties. Then, you know, it's time to look for something else. And that uh, brings me to my next question. What do you mean in your book when you say, consider the cost of life energy you are exerting? Yes. So consider the cost of the life life energy you have to exert. So, um, again, there's five types of energy, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Everybody understands the financial thing. Yeah. It's just that suppose you're you're doing something and uh, let's say you're working for a really like this horrible person and, you know, you need the paycheck and you need the health insurance or whatever. But every night you come home and you are just beat to a pulp. You are exhausted. You're frustrated. You're emotionally down. Um, you know, you just feel hopeless. And you can't just stay there. You've got to either get your resume up and running and and go find something else. But be proactive. Be very proactive. And, and look at how, you know, what uplifts you in life. You want to do more of that. And what drains you in life. You know, as Dr. Phil says, which I fortunately got to speak with on stage not too long ago, he said, you know, you can't fix what you won't admit. And when people go into denial that things aren't working and just stay there, they become a victim. And being in a victim role is very detrimental for your health, for your well-being. It really shuts down your creative flow. Uh, It really makes your life miserable. So... Always consider the cost of life energy you have to exert when you do things. Is it going to be a fair exchange for value? What is your magical story? How did you grow up in Virginia? And the reason I'm asking is this because you just finished me uh, telling me you, you're from a small town. 
you grew up with parents that felt they were defeated. Your father was very difficult, would always say no to you. And I understand that all this, uh, I guess, instead of breaking you down, it kind of pushed you forward and made you fight harder. Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, Tony, um, I've, I've done my share of therapy in life. Okay. <laughs> like all smart people who grew up in very dysfunctional families. Oh, yeah. I, and, you know, I remember one time this, this therapist said to me, she said, you know, Lee, you're quite remarkable because with all the abuse that you had and, and, and difficulty and horrible things that happened to you and you had this horrific childhood, most people would have become alcoholic, drug addicts. They would have given up. They'd be on welfare. You know, they'd be a, you know, a leech to society. But you took this opposite approach of, you know, the hell with that. I'm going to make something out of my life. I'm going to be proud of myself. I'm going to do something, you know, that is that not only I'm proud of, but that other people can benefit. Uh, my life story, in and in, in it's all in the book, Reclaim the Magic, but it's um, my first memory, Tony, was um, I was about three, three and a half years old, and I my mother was with her girlfriends, and I remember distinctly her telling them how incredibly disappointed they were when I was born and I was female. Mm. And that my father was crushed that I was female because when you grow up on a ranch uh, or a farm, having male children, which is very old fashioned in today's world, but having male children is what they wanted because they wanted them to work on the land. And they felt like if you had a female child, that would just be a burden. Well, you know, this was quite damaging to my self-esteem. And, you know, what I realized is that, made me mad that my parents were upset that I was female. So I became the, you know, the hardest riding gal on the horseback. I'm a crack shot. I'm work harder. I, you know, I excel at everything I do for a long time, unconsciously trying to prove that I was good enough. And when you come from a really dysfunctional family, you also become a pleaser. And I jokingly say I'm a recovering pleaser today. Yeah. Because, but there are some benefits to all that dis- discomfort and, and craziness that I grew up with. Children who grow up in those kind of very violent, chaotic families normally become incredibly psychic and intuitive because it's survival. You don't know what's going to happen next. You're always feeling the energy of the world of just trying to be safe. Um, as I got older, um, I experienced a, a massive amount of paranormal experiences from when I was five years old, my grandmother died, and my parents and everybody around sweared to God that they took my brother and I, who was three, to another place when the, the funeral people came and picked up my grandmother. However, I apparently have the ability of remote viewing because I saw them clearly put my grandmother in one of those bags and zip it up. And from a child's perspective with no references at that at all, because uh, we weren't even allowed to watch TV when I was five years old, mm-hmm. that literally, you know, having someone you love very much put in a bag, I mean, that's a memory thing. You, you know, I was very upset about that, but they said I wasn't there. And then after my grandmother died, she actually visited me every night for three years. By the way, mm-hmm. she never mentioned she was dead. But, um, you know, I grew up in this environment where uh, my intuition and paranormal things were happening around, and it seemed very, very normal to me. And so that's been a great benefit to me as an adult, because now my intuition is very clear. There's a lot of illusions in life, and I can usually sense them out right away. I can smell con artists. I can tell, you know, if somebody's lying to me, I know they're lying to me. I can Mm -hmm. feel it. So um, this very, you know, tough childhood, which I wouldn't wish on anyone, actually prepared me for a very uh, good good adulthood because Mm -hmm. I have so many more tools than if I'd have been the little princess where people are trying to make their children today and, you know, just, you know, give them everything and, and, you know, take away any stress or any conflict and they have no ability to deal with difficulties. 
you know, my life would be very different. Uh, oh. And so it's just a matter of instead of being mad about your childhood, because I could certainly be mad at my parents, but what is the point of that? They they were actually victims of victims. They were they didn't know any better. People are only doing what they know. Um, and no one in my family on either side had ever read a self-help book or a, a child-rearing book or anything like that. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm not mad at them. I actually, they're both deceased now. And um, I actually have great compassion for them now because, you know, they were very, they were victims of, in a very scarred world. And so I'm a much better person today because I simply chose to be a much better person. Mm. Do you think your grandmother paid visits to you for three years as she was protecting you, or what do you? What was what was the messages you were getting from your grandmother? I think my my grandmother was protecting me. I believe she was my only comfort. Uh, I felt very loved by her. I did not feel loved by my mother at all. My mother mm-hmm. never bonded with me. Um, my grandmother just visited me around. She was just a comfort and. Um, I do yes, you're absolutely right, Tony. That's a great astute observation. I do believe she was in her in the best of her ability trying to fulfill her commitment, you know, to make sure that I felt loved because she was mm-hmm. the only person I felt loved by at the time. Tell us the story of Glinda the Good Witch. Oh, Glinda the Good Witch. Okay. <laughs> Glinda the Good Witch um, really was named Samantha. And she was this gorgeous, long, blonde hair with this very infectious laugh woman who ran. Remember, I grew up, you know, a mile and a half from the nearest secondary road. And in this little community of 60 people, there was a little community store that had the post office in it and like a hardware store and a you know, a grocery store was, you know, the one-stop shop for everything. Get gas there, get everything there. And the locals were afraid of her. They called her a witch because she was a natural healer. Oh. And um, when when I was a kid, I, I had a pony, and I would drive up to there with, and get, you know, dime candy. And um, I remember I had this wart on my thumb, and... It would not go away, and it bothered me, and it was bleeding, and it hurt all the time, and my parents would take me to the doctor and to no avail. And so Glinda, her real name is Samantha, um, took me outside, and she said to me literally something to this effect. She put her hands over my thumb, and she said, the Christ within you is now healing this. You will never think of this again. And when you see your thumb again, the wart will be gone. And I remember at the time thinking, well, how can that be? It hurts. It's bleeding. I have no idea what you're talking about. And her hands were super hot. And so she did it two or three times. Now, she had healing hands, which, of course, I had no reference to at the time. And then she smiled at me, took me back in the store, gave me some ice cream. And then three or four months later, I'm on the school bus going to school, and suddenly I noticed my thumb. And the wart was gone, and I literally had not thought about my thumb in, like, months. And from then on, I would do everything I could to get up to that store to hang around, you know, Miss Samantha. And she told me uh, wisdoms and and things that were so far over my head at the time. But one of the things she got me to do, and she was, Tony, truly an earth angel because she would talk to me at that young age as if I was an adult and I could understand her, but she got me journaling and she would make, she would really insist that I would write things down. And so I would take my journal up there and I had a little backpack on my pony and, and every day I would have my, you know, she'd talk to me and I'd write it down and she would say things like, you know, understand people are doing the best they can for the most part and you have to forgive them. Do not hold anger or grudges because that energy will make you sick physically and poison your own mind and your own life. She also talked about how important it was that I always listen to the inside voice, my intuition, that gut feeling. And that just because grown-ups and other people told me things, that did not mean it was true. And that if I ever felt in danger, that 
no matter what people said, that I was to leave immediately. Uh, she also told me things like you can't change people, uh, but you can decide how you can react to it. Um, she said, I remember this clearly. I wrote down one time, she said, what you think you will become, which at the time was way over my head. Uh, what you feel you will attract, again, way over my head. And what you imagine you will create. Basically, what Samantha did, and she was a white witch, is definitely teach me metaphysical, universal spirits, spiritual information that let it changed the destiny of my life. Because had I not had Miss Samantha to really step in and take a true interest in my development, she saw something in me nobody else saw. She saw potential. She saw this bright light. And she saw a child being abused. Mm-hmm. And and she wanted to help. So I have to tell you that of of my entire life of people who influenced me, Miss Samantha was was truly my lifesaver. And I'm I'm a believer in that things happen for a reason and the path that your life goes on and certain even the smallest little things have an impact in your life and, and you end up benefiting from it in in the long run and learning from it. And I believe that's uh, what you just talked about. Are are those the life lessons you're talking about that Miss Samantha taught you? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, tell the listeners about when you were 12, uh, the tough decision you had to make. Well, a few years after Miss Samantha appeared in my life, which was the highlight of my childhood, one day I I went, uh, we rode up to where she, you know, the store, and she was packing to leave. Um, She had sold the store, and she was moving away. Now, this is long before Internet and cell phones and all that. And and she had my address, and and she would write me and send me postcards and and things like that. But, you know, when you don't have a regular person encouraging you and loving you, over a period of time, even all the good stuff kind of fades away a little. Yeah. Because we're always, we're always, experiencing whatever environment. But my childhood became so horrific uh, around the year 12 years old. I felt so unloved and I was getting my ass kicked every day. Mm-hmm. Um I I decided to kill myself. And um I lived on this this water and we had a lot of dogs and animals were my savior, horses and dogs and animals, I'm so connected to animals. And as most abused people are, and so um, I went down to kill myself, and it was in the winter, and we had this big, really long uh, uh, pier that you could walk out on the water. And so I jumped in the water. It was icy cold. And to my surprise, I think we had like nine dogs at the time. They all jumped in the water with me, and, they, and three of them hated the water. And they were just <laughs> screaming and barking, and they literally grabbed my clothes and drug me to shore. I, I realized, I, one, I was surprised by the dogs being so proactive. And two, by the time I got to shore, I was so cold and freezing. But I actually realized, you know, that there was, that Miss, I remembered Miss Samantha. I remembered all of her love and, you know, that there was love for me in the universe. And there there was no, you know, there was no point of me killing myself. But I, I actually wanted to kill myself because I was 12 years old and I didn't think I'd, I'd live actually to be 18. I thought my, I actually thought my father would kill me before I was 18. Mm-hmm. So, and by the way, I don't mean to paint him in such a bad place. He was a very good man. He just got taken by alcoholism. He He deeply had a good heart. It's just, you know, alcoholism is just such a serious disease. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was, one of those things where, you know, I just was going to check out. It just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. And and I really am very disturbed by all the suicides of, of you know, kids today. It's, it's clearly that there's so much pain in the world in their heart. They don't know what else to do because I've experienced that. You just don't know what else to do. Tell us about the dark night of your soul. The dark night of my soul really was in my early 20s when mm. I had gotten married um, I finally found the love of my life. We had gotten married. We had a business. 
you know, we were traveling, we were photographers. Uh, I mean, for the first time in my life, you know, things were really going well. Mm-hmm. And my husband's great desire in life was to build a restaurant. And um, so anyway, the long and short of it is he's trying to build this restaurant on a, on a piece of property that he owned. And he had to take away the parking from another restaurant. And the old, the other restaurant o- owner who we took the parking from threatened to kill us in public uh, and burn our house down. And my husband was this really big guy and didn't pay any attention to these what he called empty threats. But on Christmas Eve, this, this other restaurant guy hired a hitman, came to my house and shot my husband in the face and killed him. Mm. And uh, I was a photographer at the time, and I had just had just um, covered the Rolling Stones concert. And I had gone to my dark room, which is outside of my house, and the police said, had I been there, I would be dead. But I had I was outside of the house, and when I came home, the police were there. He was dead. My whole world absolutely ended because this was the love of my life. My life had actually just, you know, was really going well. Um, I was truly happy, and to have my husband murdered like that in our house, um, I, I literally could not even function. I couldn't even get out of the house for a year. If people hadn't brought me food, I, I, I would pretty much starve to death. But it, it was one of those things that I, I did not, com- I didn't consider committing suicide, but I had no ability to function, mm-hmm. and. Finally, people came to my house who really cared about me, and uh, somebody said to me, you know, Lee, there's a library, you know, like three blocks from you. You know, just go to the library and nose around and, you know, find something that interests you. And so I didn't do it, of course, because, you know, (laughs) you're in a bad mood, you want to stay in a bad mood. She actually came and drugged me over to the library one day, and she found this book. It was called uh, something about rational living. And then, so I read this book, and for the next, like, nine months, I literally spent every day in the library. I read every book on metaphysics I could find, on self-help, on on, gro- on grief. Anyway, I just, I kind of rebuilt my brain. I reoriented my thinking. And instead of continuing to collapse and be a victim and feel sorry for myself, I I actually honored my husband who is who got murdered by creating a new person of myself. And what I realized at the time was that my talents and abilities were communications and that I literally could go out and now teach other people that they had the power, no matter what horrible thing happened to them, they have the power to reinvent and and create something new from themselves. We are not Static. We are always changing. And we're like muscles. You're either strengthening your muscles every day or they're weakening every day. The same is with your brain and your belief systems and who you hang around. Where You are the sum total of the five people you hang around. You're the sum total of, you know, what you listen to and what you expose yourself to. And, and, and so it's time, if you really want to change your life, to read the things that inspire you. So the dark night of my soul shifted my entire life because it was a horrible thing to go through. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. I will tell you today, Tony, that nothing affects me too much because if you can survive the love of your life being murdered at your front door, you can survive anything. So financial setbacks, you know, things burning down, businesses flopping, people rejecting you. Eh, so what? Just nothing. It's nothing. I mean, yeah. you you learn what's important, what really matters. You know, you I think it finds a way to put you in a center and a calmness that when all these other financial things or whatever happen, and it's true what you just said, when you have someone that you love, the love of your life, the the focal point that you live for killed, it makes you realize that was important. All this other crap I can deal with. Yeah, I mean, we just had a, you know, I live here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. We just had like what we call the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we had this huge nor'easter for a week and then we had this, you know, hurricane coming. We didn't get a direct hit, but 
Uh, I mean, gosh, it was just, you know, 75 mile an hour winds and torrential rain and flooding. And, and my house had some damage. And, you know, people are all whining about that. And I'm like, eh, it can all be replaced. It's not a big deal. So what? There you go. Exactly. Uh, in the book, you talk about when the magic returned. What is the magic of the mind? Well, the magic for me, so that, so that there is a difference in the magic of the mind. So let me just say, a lot of people always ask me, what do you mean by reclaim the magic? What is magic? Yeah. The magic really, Tony, to me, is connecting back to the invisible world of spirit. Because when we're children, we are like possibility thinkers. Uh, did you know an average child laughs anywhere from three to 500 times a day? And then an adult lasts about 12 times a day. Oh, and yeah. by the way, they're the happy adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so um, magic is that, that wonder, that appreciation, that gratitude, that knowing that you're connected to something so wonderful beyond, you know, what you're seeing right now. I'm a big believer in the invisible world. I've experienced it. I know it's there. Um, I know there are earth angels. I know I have a spirit team. You can call them guardian angels, higher self. I just call them helpers. That's the nice neutral word to call them. Um, But when I invite my helpers, my spiritual helpers to me, I always get results. Um, I'll give you an example. This just happened this morning. So um, I just finished this book, you know, Reclaim the Magic. Of course, I'm writing a new book, and it's a prayer book. And there was a book that I'd been looking for, and I have I have a huge library. And there are places, you know, everybody keeps, you know, their favorite books or things that they want. And I'd go to all these places like 10 times this morning. I couldn't find it. And I'm scratching my head going, my gosh, that thing was in my hand this weekend. Where could it possibly be? And I kept going back next to my bed and looking in the same place, and it just wasn't there. Finally, I just looked up to this, you know, kind of the heavens and said, okay, helpers. I sincerely need your help because I do believe in that ask and you shall receive. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you've got to guide me to this book. i got a deadline. I need this book. And I just kept walking around. I went right back to my bed and I pulled out this little magazine rack next to my bed. And sure enough, the book was behind. It had gone between the magazine rack and the bed stand. So you could have looked there 5,000 times. You'd have never seen it. But it was only because I had that impulse to just pull that out. There was the book. Mm-hmm. And I just laughed and, you know, kind of looked up to heaven and said, thank you. Standing ovation for you for helping me. And, you know, there's I travel for a living. I mean, I'm always connecting to the spirit world to help me. I You haven't asked me this question, but I, I would like to tell your listeners that, you know, humans think they have to do everything themselves by themselves. And the truth is that there is magic around you. If you will connect to your spiritual self, if you will connect to the God part of yourself, there is an energy that is always there to help you if you can hear it and if you're willing to literally participate when you get the information, follow up on it. It's like when you get intuition and you don't pay any attention, and then it just, it's gone. It doesn't Mm -hmm. come back. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, and uh, that's what uh, a lot of people don't pay attention to, the little signs around you and things. Uh, and I'm I'm one that's always asking for help. God knows I need the help, and even the little things, and, and I always get help. So I definitely agree with you on that. I know, uh, but you, nobody ever teaches any kids that in school. Nobody ever teaches kids that. I know, but you know, and I have to say that and you and me, Certain people, we're just lucky because we just happen to stumble upon that and believe in that. And I don't know why I believe in that and how it came to be, but I just know that it's a part of my life. And and I'm thankful that I know about that, you know? Yes, and that would that would answer your question specifically of why did I write this book. Because let me tell you, when I wrote this metaphysical book, I was terrified that my regular clients, my big, and I've got huge clients like Walt Disney and AT&T and Ford Global and, you know, Federal Express. I mean, these very corporate clients, Mm -hmm. I was terrified that they were going to like, who is this woo-woo crazy woman? (laughs) And the opposite happened. 
The opposite happened. People are ordering this book by the hundreds in these organizations to give to their clients because they said this is so refreshing, you know, that it's it's truly an empowerment. So when the book made bestseller so quickly, I mean, we released the book the 1st of May and it was a bestseller by May 14th. I was blown away. I mean, how could that happen? But it did. Yeah, that's something, you know. Um, And in talking about what what we were talking about, scheduling time for reprogramming. What is reprogramming and why is it important to schedule time for this reprogramming? Well, first, reprogramming is what I was talking about earlier, that we have like viruses in our brain and obsolete old information that's cluttering up our ability to truly make great decisions. So um, how you have to schedule time is like every morning I have rituals that I do that allow me to kind of pre-frame the energy of my day. As a matter of fact, I'd really love to give your audience a gift. Um, it's, it's So if you got a pencil, write this down because it's normally $97, but I'm going to give it to everybody. It's a, it's a five-video series that I just did. It's called the five types of energy.com. So five, F-I-V-E, types of energy.com. If you go there, you can sign up. You can, you'll get five short videos. They're like 15 minutes each, and they'll explain each type of energy. So mental energy, physical energy, financial energy, you know, emotional energy, spiritual energy, all of those are explained. And it, it's very explanation of how you program your mind to utilize those energies in a very effective way that will benefit you with your relationships, with your, your business and everything. So five types of energy.com. Go there and get that. And this will further our interview greatly because they'll have so much more understanding of pre programming the mind. But whatever you think, good or bad, right or wrong, true or false, there are four volts of electrical chemical current that goes from your conscious mind to your subconscious mind, which imprints a groove in your brain. I'm not going to do the scientific. I'm going to do it very easy. That groove, when having enough repetition on it, turns into a reference. With enough repetition of that reference, it turns into a belief. So if you are constantly saying bad things about yourself, like, I'm not good at math, and you say, I'm not good at math, I'm not good at math, I'm not good at math, now you have just programmed your brain that you are not good at math. So every daggone time you have to do anything with math, you kind of freak up, you, you you freeze, it's stressful, because your brain has been programmed and has this reference in it that you're not good at math. So you want to reprogram that and say to yourself, I am. By the way, that's the most powerful thing any human being can say, because anything you, after I am, it becomes law. And if you really study philosophy and metaphysics and even, uh, uh, you know, history of, of Bible, the Bible, anything one a person says with the I am is, is a command into the universe. The word is the power. And so most people are always, you know, putting themselves down. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. So if you get up every day and repro- analyze where you're programming yourself to fail, and be weak, and be not as the person you want to be. And then just do the opposite. I am good at this. And even though you'll the first time you say this, maybe the 20th time you say it, you'll go, eh, this is BS. I'm just lying to myself. <laughs> you just got to keep going and reprogram and create a different reference, which creates a different ability to make new decisions. Uh, again, I... In this book, I'm really building a better brain for people. I'm sharing with them how to take their brain and manifest what they want. The mind is the power. And uh, to make sure I understand, so is there a, and maybe I'm taking this too literally, but scheduling, is is there a certain time of the day that we should do this reprogramming and affirmation, so to speak? Uh, Is it? more effective at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, or does it matter? For me personally, I like to 
I am a big believer in momentum. So I like to start my programming first thing in the morning. So my ritual is I go get myself a really good cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, a real, I like really, really good coffee. <laughs> and so I make myself this fantastic coffee. I go to my, my, what I call my little private place where I meditate. Nobody bothers me. And I do something called scripting, which scripting is um, I write out my life, my day, my week, my month as I want it to be. And I project what that day is going to be. So, for example, I started off this morning with, and so it was, Lee Meltier had a fantastic day. She had great radio shows and she was able to get uh, another chapter in her prayer book done. And, you know, I just talk about the day as if it had already happened. Mm -hmm. And what that does is it puts images in your brain of the good things that can happen. And so when you put that in your brain, that's called a reference, now your brain searches to find things to match it. So if you think of law of attraction, so now your brain is looking for the good. No, but if I got up in the morning and looked in the mirror and went, oh my gosh, another day, I don't feel like getting to work, I don't feel like doing this, and why do I have to do that? Man, that's a victim mentality. And you've just set your computer to look for the crap. Yeah. Look for the bad things. So now I've got this new thing. I'm, I'm writing about it right now. And it starts off, my scripting starts off with, wow, what fantastic things are happening. And then I just start listing all these things. Like there's things in my life that I'm working on. Like I have a farm that I want to sell and an office I want to sell. And so I just talk about it's already being sold. Um, I just uh, I just built a new house and and I I spent a lot of time talking about you know all the things in the new house and the colors and appliances I was going to get and what kind of furniture I was going to buy and I'd write it in great detail and all of that came true. I do it with my career. I'm projecting into the future these positive thoughts that then on paper I can refine. Everything becomes a natural progression. I expected to do extraordinary things because I told my brain I was doing it for so long. So in the book, I explain this in great detail. And I have a lot of business coaching companies. So people come from all over the world to come be in my room. So we have like 100 entrepreneurs from around the world that meet me in all different places around the world four times a year. And we mastermind. And literally, it's, it's all about people helping other people you know, refine and get better. And when that, and, and I teach them this. And so people who are very, very left brain, engineers, pilots, um, you know, they're the most left brain people I can think of. Yeah. They, they're shocked when they use this process to see how much better and smoother life goes. Because again, we are co-creating with God. Our energy is merging with the God energy or the spirit energy, and it's co-creating. And so nothing is static. Uh, We're affecting our reality with our thoughts and our actions. And so that's what I mean by programming. Absolutely. And and this is also what you're talking about. I'm assuming that you're you're talking about the other thing you talk in in your book about, which is the magical brain retraining statements. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, so magical brain statements could be things like, I am filled with creative energy and enthusiasm. I love and appreciate myself and the journey that has led me to become the person I am today. I am open to new improvements daily. I take full responsibility for my life and my thoughts. I easily and effortlessly attract wonderful personal and business opportunities to myself that utilize my natural talents and experiences. By the way, Tony, this is funny because my book was closed. When you asked me that question, I opened the book to page 65, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what you just asked. <laughs> I, swear <laughs> to God, I swear to God I did that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Lee, what are the five basic steps to creating your life form, deliberate conscious point of power? 
Well, the first one is to have desire. Desire is the starting point of all achievement. The second thing would be uh, have a plan of action. Uh, the third thing would be to envision what you want. The fourth thing would be to reinforce what you're envisioning with your self-talk because your self-talk literally is the uh, directions of your mind. And uh, this is a shocking statistic, but 80% of our thoughts on an average day are negative. So can you imagine what they are on a bad day? So, um, and then the, so then the fifth point would be take action. In other words, you know, I get interviewed all the time, Tony, and and people talk to me about the secret and they, they say, is this like, is your book, you know, the, the reclaim the magic, like the secret. And I go, well, there's some overlap. I said, but there's a huge difference between me and the secret. And the difference is, is, the action. So in the secret, they deliberately left out action because they were going to do secret too. And I know that because I know the producers. I just want to tell everybody that, you know, the steps to creating your life from a deliberate conscious point of view is, is that you can't want a new job and not create a resume and then send the resume out and go on interviews. They, they're not going to come beat on your door. You can't want, you can't find Prince Charming hiding in your bathroom that you have to take action. God helps those who help themselves is my favorite saying. If the listeners want to purchase a copy of your book, Reclaim the Magic, The Real Secrets of Manifesting Anything You Want, how can they purchase a copy and where do they go to purchase a copy? Well, uh, you can go to Amazon.com. You can get it on a Kindle version or you can get the hardback. Uh, you can go to my, my business website, which is just Miltier.com, and that's M-I-L-T-E-E-R.com. And literally, my first name is L-E-E. Um, if you Google me, I mean, I'm everywhere. It's easy to find me. Uh, we'll autograph the book. I'll autograph the book for you. Uh, my metaphysical site that I really want people to really visit is uh, Lee Miltier School of Wisdom.com. And we have courses on dealing with problems. And, and, and please, everybody, make sure you go get my gift, which was Five Types of Energy.com. And that's F I V E, Five Types of Energy.com. And again, this is $97. It's absolutely free because you're listening to Tony. I promise you, your life will be very enhanced. And if you have teenage kids or people in your family or even people who work for you, share with them this video. It'll shift the way that they see how they manifest and what they manifest in life. Thank you very much. In the last remaining minutes, what's next for Lee Miltier? (laughs) So what's next for me? Uh, I'm writing, um, I have about six books. I have a brand new video series called The Twelve spiritual solutions to everyday problems that I'm uh, birthing uh, right now. Uh, We're going to have a mystery. I have a mystery school and I'm having a big vision quest out in Sedona, Arizona in 2016. So if you go to Lee Miltier School of Wisdom.com and get on our mail list, I have a weekly e-zine called Spiritual uh, Power Tools. And each week, I give great advice and spiritual solutions to a lot of problems. And the courses and the appearances and things that I do will be there. And um, I'm also working on a television show in Canada. So it's life is exciting. How wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. We really do appreciate you. And you've been very uh, interesting. And, and I'd love for you to come back and do a second show with us. You know, Tony, you're fantastic, and, you know, I've really appreciated working with you, and you've allowed me to be absolutely myself, and I love that. So you just, anytime, I'm happy to show up. Our thanks to Lee Miltier. Lee is an internationally known and celebrated best author, award-winning professional speaker, TV personality, entrepreneur, visionary, and intuitive business mentor. She's also a Reiki healer, a shaman, and runs a metaphysical mystery school. Lee Miltier School of Wisdom.com is the website. You can learn more about Lee Miltier by going to LeeMiltier.com. Like Lee Miltier's Spiritual Power Tools on Facebook and follow her on Twitter at Lee Miltier. You are listening to Healing from Within with Tony Valen here on Blog Talk Radio, airing Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central. Visit our website, HealingFromWithin.net. Contact me directly, Tony at TonyValen.com. Please follow the show on Twitter at TVHFW. The show is also available on iTunes and YouTube. Just search Healing From Within with Tony Valen or look for the Tony Valen channel on YouTube. 
Thank you so much, and love and light from all of us here at Healing From Within.